This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. All right, <clears throat> we've been talking about the subject, you were born for this. You were born for this. Next <clears throat> uh, Sunday, we is going to be Easter, and we're going to talk, look at the cross and the resurrection and celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what he did, he did for a purpose in all of our lives. There is something that you were created to do. Could we get the house lights on out there? Because I'd like to see the people. I can't see them. Thank you. Uh, there is something you were born to do in your life. And most people spend their life searching. They search for something that they can't really define, but there's something inside them that says, well, there's got to be more than this. And, and it's almost like everything that we, put our, that we find, every place we are, it's like it's almost there, but it's not quite there. And so it's like there's an unresolved dissatisfaction lurking deep within us. Now, some people spend all of their life looking for that. They go through marriages. They go through relationships. They go through uh, jobs. They go through all kinds of things, and, and they feel like they're very unsettled, and we think, well, why don't they get stable? Well, it's because there's something inside them searching. Others just quit searching. They just say, well, this is it. Uh, like the movie, this is as good as it gets, you know, this is it. And they settle. They settle for less than they really would like. They settle for less than they would really wanted to have. And if you sat down with them and asked them and said, you know, is your life on a scale of one to 10, what you're doing, would you give it a 10? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, do you mean like, the pay I make, and that tells you a lot about why they took the job. See, when we follow money, when, or when we run after money, and we're willing to take whatever to get the money, we've basically sold ourselves. And in process, we've probably sold a dream, we've probably, and perhaps even sold a purpose, and traded it for porridge, a bowl of porridge, the money we can get. But most people, if you ask them on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate your life? Not just your job, but your life. And, if they, and they'll say, is my husband or wife gonna see this? And if you say no, then they'll be honest. And most of them are gonna rate it, uh, seven or eight would be extremely high. Most people are gonna be somewhere in the middle if they're really honest, and a lot will be below five. Why? And if you talk with them, they'll say, because this is life. This is life. And it's the best I can do. And so I've determined just to be happy with this. I've settled with this. And my friend, God doesn't want you to settle for this. God puts a dream in your heart. There's Something God created you to do. 
but no one else can decide to do it but you. There is something God created us all for. Now we believe here that there is a God in heaven that is God all by himself. Nobody made him God. He's not God because we believe he's God. He's God whether we believe him or not. And we believe he is the only God. As a matter of fact, we believe that this book called the Bible is his word to us. But that he was so, he is so personal and he cares about us so much that he wrapped his word in flesh He wrapped all of his promises, all of his purpose, all of his revelation, everything about him that he wanted us to know. He wrapped all of that in a package of flesh named Jesus and had him born of a virgin and he lived on this earth and he died on a cross for us, which we'll talk about next Sunday. But we also believe that he came out of the grave. That though he died for us, he was raised also for us, and he's alive right now. We believe that Jesus is alive. And that we believe that by faith in what he did, the fact that he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, that that was for us. And we believe that, and we believe that by believing in that, putting our hope in that, not in ourselves, not in what we can do, not in how good we are, but in what he did and focusing all of our hope, all of our trust on him, we believe that means we're saved. Didn't say perfect, didn't say really good, didn't say better than anybody. We're just like everybody else. But the difference is we're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness where we wander around aimlessly, never knowing what our purpose is, settling in life, or always running through relationships and jobs and everything else while we're searching for life. We have found life. And so we're not searching any longer. We have not settled either. We are secure in Jesus. But, I, you know, even I, I have found this in many Christians that there's still a searching. There's still something like, I'm trying to find it. They get the job they think they wanted, and all of a sudden, it's not what they want. They get the, the relationship they thought they wanted, and it's not exactly what they wanted. And they get the shoes or the dress or the purse or, the, or whatever, or the house or the car, And it's like, uh, what is it? Let me help you out. See, inside all of us, God put within every human being, no matter who we are, whether we're a Christian or not, there is an internal GPS, a little chip inside us, if you will. Now, don't worry, you don't literally have a chip. But there is like a chip in you, a little chip inside you, that is an internal GPS that is looking for home. Like the woman that she told her husband, said, I want, they were living in an apartment. She said, I want a house. So they bought a house. And he thought, okay, I've got her happy. Then she looked at a bigger house, said, I want that house. So they sold the house and bought the bigger house. 
He said, okay, now she's happy. The next thing he knew, she goes out and looks at a really big house and she says, I want that house. He said, what is wrong with you? I bought you every house you wanted. She said, I don't know, but I just feel like I was created for a mansion. And we are. We are. And inside us, there is something that is pointing towards home. I took the staff horseback riding years ago, and we were up at a friend's of mine, a friend of mine, he, he's a horse trader and uh, buys and sells horses and usually has about 100 horses, a head of horses on his farm there, ranch there. And so I took the staff horseback riding, and we were riding, and one of them had never ridden a horse. And so we're riding along, and we're going along, and I thought, I said, where is, and I didn't call his, I won't call his name, but I said, where is so-and-so? I couldn't find him. And they said, I don't know. And so uh, my friend and I, we headed on back looking for him, and he was going back to the barn. And I said, where are you going? He said, I don't know, wherever he's taking me. <laughs> and I said, he's not supposed to take you you're supposed to give him direction. He said, well, I tried. He does. And so anyway, see, the horse knew, I want to go back to the barn. And this joker doesn't know how. He's not secure enough to know how to make me go anywhere else. So I'm going where I want to go. And that's kind of like marriage, isn't it, guys? Well, anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> By the way, we are, Denise and I, Beginning May the 11th, we're going to start a series on marriage, not message, uh, on marriage. We're going to teach on marriage, and I want to encourage every one of you to be here, and I want to encourage you to invite all of your friends that are wanting to get married, are married, anybody that's in between, so just anybody and everybody, get them in here because we're going to teach on marriage, and it will really help you. Denise and I are really gifted at doing that. I'm not bragging about us because we've been through a lot and we've learned some things and God's used us to help people in that. So uh, we encourage you to come. That'll start May the 11th. But inside each and every one of us, there's this internal GPS that looks for home. It's searching for home. But the trouble is, you see, home is not here. It's not on this earth. It's not here. Your home is eternal. It's an eternal place and there is something inside you that is reaching for that. Are you with me? And so you would question, well, are you telling me then? I've got to spend this life unhappy and unsettled? No, you don't have to. If you'll listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because God has given us an ability. He's given us something to do here on this earth that is eternal. You see, the reason you can't be fully, completely satisfied in what you're doing, because, you know, I know I had, uh, you know, I've passed the age of retirement, so I, I told Denise, I said, it's too late, I can't retire. She said, you mean there's a time you have to and you can't after that? Uh, I said, no, I can, but <clears throat> I don't want to. But I have friends that they couldn't wait to retire. They thought, I can't wait to retire because when I get to retirement, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I said, are you getting a divorce when you get retired? 
and uh, they've gotten retired now. And I said, well, are you doing everything you want to do? And he said, yeah, but it's not fun. I don't know. And you see, if we are looking, now hear me, our problem is we're looking for something that is eternal in a temporal world. We're trying to find an eternal thing in a temporal place. We're trying to find something that has no beginning, no end, and knows nothing about time in a place that is identified and defined by time and space. We can't get them together. They're oil and water. They will not mix. So on this life, I must do temporal things and I've got my job and I've got things and my job isn't what really fulfills me completely and relationships have their issues. Listen, somebody, you know, like I've heard some people say, we've never had a fuss. And I said, he's either deaf, deaf or a liar. Because two people are not living together and never disagree. Because if they don't, one of them is not needed. But in this life where there's gonna be nothing is perfect. Have you discovered that? Nothing is perfect. Your marriage isn't perfect. Your life isn't perfect. Your job isn't perfect. Your income isn't perfect. The way you feel isn't perfect. Your thoughts aren't perfect. You're not perfect. There's no perfect mate. There's no perfect house. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect life. Nobody has that. And those that tell you, you know, that online you go on there and are you looking for the perfect life where you can sit on the beach and snow ski at the same time and own your cell phone, make a million dollars a day? Give me your email and click here. Are you ready to start now? And you know, they sell that. You know how come, why they can sell that stuff to us? And not all of it's bad, some of it's all right. But why did they sell that to us? Because we have within us this sense of there's something perfect there. There's something perfect somewhere. There is something somewhere that I can get a hold of and I can get there. And all of a sudden, my life is going to be wonderful. And they're exactly right. They're exactly right. Absolutely, I guarantee you, that is real. Just not here. When I say here, I don't mean Montgomery, Alabama. I mean here on this earth. I've had people say, I remember our daughter Stacy, our oldest child. She said, she kept telling us as a teenager, I can't wait to leave Montgomery. As soon as I can leave Montgomery, I'm gonna leave Montgomery. I can't wait to leave Montgomery. She got married and Brian and her went off to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
In no time at all, she called me and she said, I want to come back to Montgomery. I miss family. I miss Montgomery. It was so funny. I told her, I said, I thought you couldn't stand Montgomery. She said, I was wrong. She thought getting away anywhere else would be perfect. But there's no perfect place. Nothing's perfect here. But now let me help you. Because there is something that is eternal you can do. See, how do I find that fulfillment? How do I find that contentment? How do I find that place where while I'm doing something that isn't perfect, while I'm doing something that's not totally fulfilling, while I'm doing something that in itself does not satisfy everything in my life, while I'm doing it, there's something I can do that because it is eternal, it's the umbilical cord. It's a bridge. It's a, it's a link. It's the internet, if you will. It's the internet highway from me to eternity that while I'm living a temporal life, doing temporal things, living in an imperfect world, doing imperfect things, I can have a touch of the perfect. And suddenly, that unresolved thing deep inside me is satisfied. That itch that's down there is suddenly scratched. And I want to read some scripture to you. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is, and Acts is written by Luke, Dr. Luke, who was a physician who wrote the book of the Gospel of Luke, he wrote the book of Acts. And it says here, uh, this is right after, or right after, yeah, well, after the resurrection of Jesus, not right after, uh, about 50 days after his resurrection. And he has spent about 50 days there with the disciples and meeting, talking to people. And, and, and you know, at one time he spoke to over 500 people in one uh, meeting after he was resurrected. Now, it, you know, we tend to think it was kind of secret, you know, and he kept it, you know, behind closed doors and only the disciples knew. No, the whole town, it was spread abroad all over that Jesus was resurrected and raised from the dead and alive. And he spoke at one time to over 500 people. How many do you think, if there was a woman there, everybody in town knew. Say amen, ladies, because you know how to communicate. The guys are still trying to figure it out. Denise tells me what I need to know. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I really do. But anyway, he spoke to all these people, and so everybody was knowing about this. And so he knows that it's time for him to ascend. Now, he's here in his resurrected body. He's got holes in his wrist, holes in his feet, and a big hole or scar on his side. And scars all over his head from a crown of thorns. And probably scars on his face where they pulled out his beard and beat him. So he, he doesn't look exactly like the Jesus that was there, but he was the same Jesus. And here he is talking with the apostles. Now listen to this. When the apostles, because as soon as Jesus was resurrected from the dead and the book of Acts starts, they moved from being called disciples to apostles. He was discipling them so they could be apostles. When the apostles 
were with Jesus. They kept asking, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? Now, here's one of our issues. We keep making it about our kingdom. We tend to turn Christianity into ourselves. And we tend to move the pointer from him and the world to us. And we are thinking, Lord, when are you going to take care of this for me? God, when are you going to make my marriage better? When are you going to make my health better? When are you going to make my job better? When are you going to make my bank account better? When are you going to make me better? And we get caught up in our kingdoms. Are you saying, Pastor, that God doesn't care about my life and all of those things? God cares absolutely about it. As a matter of fact, God cares more about your marriage than you do. God cares more about you than you do. God cares more about all of the details of your life than you do. But because God cares about it, he doesn't want you to care about it. He doesn't want you to focus on that. Because if you bury yourself, you see, that's where you were before Jesus came. It was all about you. And now if you take Jesus and make him all about you, we're still going to be in trouble, aren't we? You're probably going to have some of the same old issues just with a Christian name tag on them that you had pre-Jesus. Where it's selfish, where there's all kinds of stuff that is you showing up instead of looking like Jesus. And at the root of it, it's because we're making it about our kingdom. Here's these guys, listen. They're standing there talking to a man the Son of God that has come out of the grave has just delivered all of mankind from sin. And instead of looking at him and saying, Wow, wow, tell me about it, they said, Okay, what are you gonna do for us now? What's in this for me? What are you gonna make our kingdom? Our kingdom. They didn't talk about his kingdom, they were talking about their kingdom. Now listen to me, and you gotta get this home. You'll never really find what I'm talking about when it's your kingdom. You've got to get to the place that you understand it is not about my kingdom. Now, when I say kingdom, I mean all about you. Boy, the church in America desperately needs to grab a hold of this truth because America is in dire need of Jesus, yet the church has made Jesus about the church. And church is about me and everything in Christianity is about me. And I mentioned last week, we've made it so much about me that we'll pray for a parking spot, but not the person in the parking spot, which is amazing to me. We'll pray to God to help us get to the head of the line instead of praying for everyone that's in the line. We're more concerned about us not having to wait than we are about them having to stand before God. 
Now, I'm not, don't get offended. We need to look in the mirror at ourselves because see, the reason I'm telling you this is you're not gonna find happiness that way and you're certainly not gonna get God to all of a sudden be totally involved in making your life the way it should be when it's all about you. Because the Bible says he is with you as you are with him. If you're all about him, guess who he's all about? But if you're all about you and trying to get him to be all about you, he's not about you. He withholds things from you. So it's not, say it, it's not about my kingdom. Now listen to me. You don't have to be concerned about it. The Bible says very clearly that he who has begun a good work in you will finish it, bring it to its completion for the day of the return of Jesus. God's gonna work in you. God's gonna work in you and he'll work through you and he'll work for you. But you gotta quit making it about you. Did you know that, I hate to say this, but so many churches in America that actually start, start because people, it's about them. We don't like the pastor. We don't like the preaching. We don't like the color of the carpet. We don't like the music. So we're going to go start a church. What are they saying? It's about us. Most of the churches in America need to shut down. And everybody get under some real true call men of God and start making it about Jesus and his kingdom. Because my friend, it is not about ours. It is about the kingdom of God. It is about Jesus. Okay, now notice this. Verse seven, Jesus said to them, the father sets those dates and they are not for you to know. Number one, it's not about your kingdom. Number two, I'm talking to you about how to find that eternal connection that no matter what you're doing, there is a complete satisfaction. There is a sense of, man, this is good. It's almost like I got a piece of heaven here on earth. Number one, to find it, to get there, you got to realize it's not about your kingdom. Number two, it's not about what you know. Now, let me help you. We are to know some things. We are to grow, the Bible says, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But listen to me. At the end of the day, and if we want to touch the world, if you want to help a lost person, listen, I had people before I got saved I didn't go around church people. The only Christian I was ever around was Denise. But sometimes, you know, somebody come up to me and try to witness to me. But what they wanted to do was tell me what they know. Let me give you a little simple statement. Nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. You're the only one that's impressed with what you know. I'm telling you, listen, I go to meetings and I'll be in conferences, you know, whether business or or ministry. And there's always people 
that they're sitting there with someone that's been a lot further down the road. But the amazing thing is, here's this young buck or somebody, they're going to do all the talking. They're going to tell everything. And sometimes I'll just speak up and say, would you mind? I'd like to hear from him. You know, you don't never know anything by telling what you know. Because that'll be all you'll ever know. You know, I'd rather know, the right, I'd rather know the right question than the right answer. Because if I know the right question, I'll gain some knowledge. But if I know the right answer, that's all I'm going to know. So it's not about what you know. But listen to me. In Christianity, it's about who you know. Because you can know the Bible backwards and forwards, but if you don't know Jesus, if you don't really understand him, know him, then all your knowledge is nothing. If we have all knowledge, you can do all great things, but we don't have love, we're nothing, the Bible says. It's not about what you knew. See, he told him, he said, you don't have to know this. You don't have to know this. You've heard me say before, everything God's ever asked me to do, I didn't know how to do. I didn't have the time to do. I didn't have the money to do it. And I could give him 10 people right off the top of my head that could do it better than me. Every time. But you see, God delights in using the foolish things. Are you willing just to be used? Are you willing to let him be your knowledge. You remember what tree was it they weren't supposed to eat from? The tree of knowledge. See, but we've had this thing. Oh, if I just know. And people go to church. And, and the sad thing is, we go to church not to know him, but just to learn more. So we can say, I know now. Well, let me tell you, I can give you formulas. I can give you all kinds of stuff for you to know. But if I see you a year from now, it still won't be doing you any good. Because let me tell you, everything that that book says only works in him. It is in him, for him, by him, and through him that it works. So knowing girls, listen, ladies, listen. Most women I see are girls to me at my age. They're, they're young. I didn't mean no disrespect. But ladies, in all your time at Wellsprings, learn all you can. But most importantly, learn Jesus. And if you don't know what all the Bible says, but you know him, I promise you, you'll be okay. He'll see you through. Let me tell you what. Yes, I believe, I study the Bible, I read the Bible. And I read other things. I'm an avid reader. You'll never find me when I'm not reading a book. I have books on my, on my Android phone. I have books on my uh, computer. I have books, you know, written books. I'm always, I've got books. Everywhere I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in and read, a, I'll read something of a book. I love to read. I was a little kid. I love to read. But I know this. Filling my head with knowledge is not going to change my life. It gives me a potential, but I've got to have it activated. 
without the ability to activate it. You know, it's kind of like the, the epoxy where you got to have the different elements, the different ingredients. And if you have one ingredient and never put the other ingredient there, there is no sticky. That's a technical term, I know. Sticky. It means that it, they stick together. The glue doesn't work. The epoxy doesn't work unless you get the elements together. Yes, I need to get the written word, but I got to have the living word. Number two. Or number one, it's not about our kingdom. Number two, it's not about what we know. Christianity is not about what we know. It is about who we know. And when you're talking to the world, if we're going to win the world, and I am here for a reason. The only reason I am here is because I feel, I know that Jesus said for me to be here. And for this reason, he put me here to reach the lost. Now, Paul, you said it. And I loved it. I wrote it down when you told me what the job description, the purpose, the mission of a first sergeant is. To prepare a mission ready force for the mission of the commander. When you said that to me on the phone, something leaped within me. And I got down on my knees after I hung up that phone and I said, God, that's me. I want to be a first sergeant for Jesus. All I want to do is prepare a mission-ready force for your purpose, Jesus. Now, friends, listen. If we're going to reach the lost, some of them your friends, your loved ones, and listen, while you're reaching the lost here, you may have loved ones in other parts of the world, but I'm telling you, when you start caring about what matters to God, God will care about what matters to you. When you care about who matters to God, the lost around you, he'll care about who matters to you. I've proven this. I've had, you know, I've gone to minister to someone that I had no idea who they were, but they needed me. And I went there and I'd tell them about Jesus and start praying with them and, 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 and help them and have the privilege of being there when Jesus introduces himself to them and their life is changed. And I would have a burden for a loved one a thousand miles away that I've been praying for and suddenly get a call later that said, guess what, Steve? I just got saved. Yeah. Why? Because I was taking care of what God wanted me to do where I am. Number three, let's look at this. Verse eight, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. I love that. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, number one, you want to find that? You want to find that eternal link that suddenly gives meaning and purpose to your life, whether you're a uh, uh, a janitor in the school system or the principal, whether you are a 
the man that digs the ditches, well, they don't do that anymore, uh, that runs the trenching machine that digs the ditches, or, or whether you're the cook or you're the, you're the person in the restaurant, no matter where you are, who you are, what you're doing, it's not all about these naturally temporal things that will pass away. But while you're doing those natural things, you can find an eternal link that suddenly I may be washing dishes in a restaurant, but I feel fulfilled. You need to read the book, The Practice of the Presence of God, a man that, had, that was relegated to working in the kitchen. Brother Lawrence, back in, I think it was 500 A.D., that found the presence of God, and he found that eternal link in a temporal place. And if you want to find that it's not about your kingdom and it's not about what you know, it's all about Jesus and telling a world about him. That's what it's all about. And nothing more and nothing less. Christianity is about knowing Jesus and telling a world about him. And Jesus said here, guys, he said what I'm saying but he said, it's not all about your kingdom. It's not about what you think you need to know. It's about me telling, me telling the world about me. Tell the world about me. And then you'll discover why you're here. And he said this, and I love this, Bunny. He said, when the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now let me close with a little story. I was overseas during the Vietnam War and I was in the Navy. I joined the Navy because I didn't want to walk through rice paddies. So I thought, and I, I wanted to have some control over what I would be, who I, what force, uh, what branch I was in. So I joined the Navy. Anyway, I was over for several years and then I was getting out. And uh, they flew me into Philadelphia and there I was getting, uh, you know, uh, I forget what they call it, but uh, what do they call it? Processed, I guess that's it. Uh, I was getting processed out and uh, going through all of that. And... Um, my best buddy was there. He was from New York City and he and I had been uh, through Navy together, even went through training together, boot camp and all that. And uh, he asked me, he said, we went out and got drunk uh, on a Friday night and I was flying home Saturday. This is BC before Christ. And so we got us a couple of cases of beer and we sat and drank a case each. And we're just sitting talking. And uh, he said, what are you going to do when you get home to Montgomery, Alabama, grit? And uh, he would jokingly call me grit for the grits. And uh, <clears throat> I said, I'm going to go home and divorce that religious nut I'm married to. She's gone off the deep end. She's got something called the Holy Ghost. And I said, Jesus was one thing, but when she got that Holy Ghost, is a little too much. Because all of a sudden, all she talks about is Jesus now, since she got this Holy Ghost. And I said, I don't want a ghost around. 
you know? And so we started talking about it, and I'm not making this up. I mean, this is actually our conversation. He said, wow, that's weird, dude, or, or man, you know? And, and, uh, so th- and this is back in the 60s. So anyway, uh, I got on a plane, and I come home. And my plan is to divorce Denise. And we had a little girl, a little baby that I had not seen called Stacy. Because we didn't know if she was pregnant when I left. And, and uh, uh, we found out after I had left to go overseas that she was pregnant. So I just got pictures, you know. And Stacy was walking and talking before I met her. And so anyway, <clears throat> uh, I, the plan lanes, and back in those days you could walk on, you, you know, the, the stairway came down, you walked across the tarmac. And the people could stand out there, you know, behind a little hurricane fence, and they could be there to greet you outside, you know, the airport door. And so I looked over there, and there was this beautiful five foot seven, about 118 pounds, with dark hair a little below her rear, long dark hair. I saw her standing over there. And I looked at her through the little window and I thought, well, maybe I'll divorce her later. (laughs) We won't talk about that tonight. I'm being real. I honestly thought, I'm not going to talk about that tonight. (laughs) So anyway... I couldn't wait to get my sea bag. I got it. Um, no, I didn't get it because it was uh, in there. Anyway, I got off that plane and I saw her standing over there and I started walking towards her. And when I got right about here, like I am to Paul, I started feeling something. And I thought, this is strange because before I was feeling something else. Now I'm feeling something different. And all of a sudden, my pace, my gait slowed down a little bit, and I started getting a little more deliberate. And she was looking at me, because everybody else is moving fast, and I'm slowing down. <laughs> and she, she on, on, with her side, says, she was thinking, he feels guilty, because he's been doing bad things. And she said, she kind of thought, is that it? And the closer I got, the stronger I felt it. The stronger I felt it. Until when I got up right there next to her, she wanted me to hug her. And I couldn't. But I knew I had to. So I hugged her. We got in the car. And my mom and dad had come with her to greet me and take Denise and I to our home and she and I were sitting in the back seat and I would not sit closer and she'd say and so I'd scoot over but then I felt this something I don't know what it was it was such a a presence so I'd move away and she would look at me and so I'd move back well we got home that night and you know 
I held Stacy and kissed Stacy and tucked her in. And, and uh, then I went and sat down on the bed and Denise's in my bedroom and she said, hold me, Steve. You haven't seen me in years. She said, hold me. And I said, I can't. And she said, what is wrong? And I said, there is a presence on you, Denise. And she said, what? I said, there is a presence on you. And she said, what are you talking about? She said, look at me. I'm ready for you. Don't you like what you see? I said, yeah, I do like what I see. But I said, I know what I feel. She said, what in the world are you talking about? She said, are you feeling guilty? And I said, no, that's what I did. I said, Denise, there is a holy presence on you and I'm an un, I am not a good person. I know exactly, Steve. I know exactly what Peter felt in the boat when Jesus was preaching and Jesus turned to him and Peter said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm an unclean man. When I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to Peter and I'm going to say, I know exactly what you felt. I know exactly what you felt. I felt it. Now listen to me. Denise was a Christian the whole time we were married. She'd been a Christian for four years. But she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And she didn't realize, she thought it was all about what God was doing in her. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives, yes, He does wonderful things for us. But the main thing is this. He takes you and I, ordinary people, and causes us to be a witness of Jesus Christ to those around. Jesus said, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come upon you, he will cause you. He will empower you. He will enable you to be a witness for me. And you will tell the whole world about me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.